0: All right, here we go on this uh, dark and miserable and not not really really pleasant Thursday morning, just one day away from the start of one Super Regional. Of course, Mississippi State starting on Saturday. We get one tomorrow night, late tomorrow night. Get your coffee or your beverage of choice and get ready to stay up late for that one tomorrow night. And then Mississippi State, of course, again, they're going to have normal times this weekend, whereas Ole Miss is starting at... What is it eight, nine, and eight if there's a game three? I think that's I think that's the case. That's uh not good for those of us that like to sleep, but I'm a bit of a night owl, so I guess it works out for me just fine. But welcome in uh to the live stream it's uh it's good to see you. I'm glad that you guys are with me as you always are today i've got I've just got a question that I'm gonna throw out there. uh something that i uh, I was mulling over this morning. How much does venue matter? in your opinion, in Super Regionals. The venue, how much of an impact does that have on the actual games themselves? Ole Miss, obviously not at home. They're in Arizona. Unique ballpark there. Mississippi State at home. And Notre Dame probably has never seen an atmosphere like the one they're going to see this weekend. So how much does that matter? That's what I'll be talking about with you this morning right here on the live stream if you're new to this. I do it every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on Periscope, which is where most of you are watching still right now. So the Sports Talk Mississippi Periscope feed, I will retweet it myself if you follow me on Twitter. On YouTube, my name right there. Find me on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, The channel is growing ever so slightly, but it is growing. I have learned that growing an audience on YouTube, just doing live, is very difficult. At least that's what Google says and so I appreciate you guys watching on YouTube, those of you that you are. And channel is growing slowly, but it is growing. Uh, it is on an upward incline. And so I appreciate that. Also on Facebook, if you find me on Facebook, just like my Facebook page. You can find all of this there, as well as wherever you get your uh, podcasts, uh, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Just my name, Mike, in the morning should also turn up results and subscribe and leave a rating and a review. I did see a really funny news story this morning, by the way. I mean, complete non sequitur. I, I just, th- this made me laugh so hard. Um, my wife probably thought I was crazy. It, it just was hilarious to me. So, this part isn't funny. A gas station in Jackson was broken into last night. Nobody was there. It was closed, it was broken into. And stuff was stolen out of it. I can't imagine it was all that much stuff because it is a gas station. It's not like there's millions of dollars inside. But in the most Jackson, Mississippi way possible, the gas station was broken into by a guy or or girl, I suppose, but most likely it's a guy that stole a backhoe and drove it over a mile down the road and used the shovel on the backhoe to bust down the door of the gas station and went inside and stole what he could and left the backhoe in the parking lot of the gas station and took off, and he has yet to be caught. So if there is a more Jackson, Mississippi story than that one, please tell me because I can't think of one. I shouldn't laugh at crime, but the guy stole a backhoe drove it down the road, and busted through the door of a gas station using a backhoe, and he didn't get caught doing it. It's crazy. It is crazy. (laughs) I'm still laughing, thinking about it. Uh, He stole a backhoe, and he knew how to operate the backhoe, so I guess that makes your, uh, you know, I only watch like Criminal Minds, but if you're doing profiling, you start with people that work construction in the area, right? Because if you know how to operate a backhoe, then, uh, you know, clearly you've worked on them before. Cause I couldn't hop on a backhoe and drive it a mile down the road and then use the shovel to bust down a gas station door. So when they're writing up their criminal mastermind profile, start with construction workers in the area, I guess. <laughs> Guy stole a backhoe. It broke into a gas station. Oh man. Anyway. All right. So this question that I've got today, Uh, How much does venue matter when it comes to super regionals? It it actually stems from a poll question that I, uh, you can blame it on me if you're one of those people that are mad about it, Uh, I put a poll question up, and we talked about it on the show some yesterday as well, uh, about which result is more likely, not which one is going to happen, which one is more likely to happen. And I took the two super regionals that we are most focused on around here um and and basically which one is more likely an upset in Tucson or an upset in Starkville which one's more likely Arizona's the favorite at home Mississippi State is the favorite at home which one is more likely Ole Miss beating Arizona in Tucson or Notre Dame or Norte Dame as I typed um beating Mississippi State in Starkville 64% of the 1300 votes by the way said Ole oh, Miss beating Arizona is more likely. But some people got really mad about this. And by the way, um, what is it about the Egg Bowl and then postseason baseball that causes everybody to lose their collective minds? I mean, you should see some of the replies to the to, to this thing. People are, like, mad that the poll didn't have more than those two options or think that it's in a poll to make Ole Miss fans – Look good and feel good and stuff like that I mean it's just crazy how how that bothers people so bad um that that was a question that we that we put out there i I, ju- I just don't get it um like one guy said this is some Clarion ledger shit. like what um it, I, I just I don't under I don't understand where that comes from I, I mean I don't get it. People are nuts. I mean, if you are that insecure that a poll that says which upset is more likely actually angers you, you need to look into the mirror and not at the poll makers. But anyway, um, I think it's an interesting question, actually, because how much does the venue matter? For example, looking at Mississippi State, Notre Dame's a hot baseball team. I mean, they scored 50-50 Houston nuts. 50, 50 runs they scored in their regional and only gave up five. It was an offensive domination on an all-turf baseball field, mound included. Uh, just flat-out domination from Notre Dame. They come in hot. They can swing it. At least a couple guys on that team can swing it. But Mississippi State's the favorite, and, and rightfully so. I think Mississippi State's going to win this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to three games, just because Notre Dame's a good baseball team. But Mississippi state's the favorite and for good reason. I think that they should win this weekend, but my question to you guys, and I'd love to hear from you. And one that I'm pondering is how much does the venue impact the games themselves? How much does it impact it? Because if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, they were supposed to play in Baton Rouge and here, I'll actually, I should have had it pulled up already. Um, And it, this says the game got canceled. I thought they played that game, though. But this says they got it got canceled. Either way, when you look at their schedule, when you scroll down through Notre Dame's road opponents, uh, for example, they played at Clemson. Used to be a pretty decent place to play. They've kind of checked out. 1,000 people or so. They played at Charlottesville. Same thing. It's a nice stadium. It's not an atmosphere. Um, they played Duke at home, they played Louisville at home, they went to Pittsburgh, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, nobody goes to Pittsburgh baseball games. Um, They played Georgia Tech at home. NC State, a good baseball team, they played at home. That's right, it was canceled, and they played Air Force instead. Okay, so they they didn't even get to see one game in Baton Rouge. They played North Carolina, but at home. Florida State, but at home. They went to Virginia Tech, and there's no atmosphere, and then there's the ACC tournament. Notre Dame has not at all played in front of an environment like they're going to see this weekend the game on Saturday will have more people than every weekend series combined that Notre Dame has played in this year with a few thousand people to spare I mean it, it the discrepancy is going to be that wide that significant the gap is going to be that big that huge uh it, it's pretty remarkable actually and You guys don't need to have your horns tooted. They happen enough, and rightfully so. The the atmosphere there is uh, absolutely unbelievable. How much does that impact the game, though? How much does that impact the game? I don't know. I I thought about it, and I think it does. Because baseball is different than football, right? Baseball is completely different than football. But... The point I used with you guys last week, in the NFL this past season, road teams did better in covering spreads and winning games than they ever have. And I think that's the there's a direct correlation between that and the fact that there was nobody inside of the stadiums. So I think the road atmospheres actually really do impact the outcomes of games. If this was being played at a neutral site and Gastonia, North Carolina. I think Mississippi State would still be the favorite, but there is something to that atmosphere impacting the game itself. It's a little bit different in Starkville versus what Ole Miss is doing because Arizona is not going to have an atmosphere. It's not going to have an environment that's intimidating. I mean, it's the SEC. My gosh, Ole Miss played in Starkville this year. There's nothing that Arizona can do that would intimidate them at all as far as a a crowd goes it's not possible Uh, the difference in arizona is the venue and by the way for whatever it's worth to you their record crowd for an arizona baseball game is a thousand people under stadium capacity they don't show up and they won't this weekend not in any kind of a a real impacting way the difference in in tucson is the field and the conditions so in starkville it's just crowd The, the dimensions i mean you know Right field's got that little, whatever you want to call it, the little little bump in. I guess it's a terrace. I don't know what you call it. It's a really cool feature of the stadium, though. You can walk right up, basically, on the field from the gate with Duty Noble Field. The the I don't know what you call that area. Whatever you call it, you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, aside from Plaza, thank you, Andrew Plaza. That, that that's what we'll call it. So the plaza dips into the field a little bit. Otherwise, the field conditions, the weather in Starkville is all going to be what Notre Dame is used to. Uh, dimensions are normal. Uh, field's normal. I mean, yeah, they've got a you know, turf around home plate, but the, the field's normal. The dimensions are normal. The weather should be. I mean, it's summer in Mississippi. There's always chance of a thunderstorm or, or a rain shower that comes up randomly. But by and large, the weather conditions in the field are, are very normal, and Notre Dame won't have to adjust anything um, based on that. It's different in Tucson. Notre Dame's challenge is going to be 12,000 screaming insane people and cowbells and something that they've never seen before. In Tucson, it's a massive, cavernous, type field, although it is an elevation and apparently the wind blows out a good bit. So the ball will fly a little bit, kind of like course field, but the stadium still is a cavern compared to what they're used to playing in dimensions wise. And then the weather, you know, people say it's a dry heat or whatever. um, It's going to be 110 degrees. It'll drop at night, which is good, but it'll be 110 degrees for the high. And so how much does that change, uh, the way Ole Miss approaches things, that's something that's worth keeping an eye on. I had somebody ask me yesterday if um, if the heat will be a factor. Like, Arizona's players are used to it. Ole Miss players aren't, generally speaking. It gets hot as hell here, too. Not 110 like that, though. Um, how much does that impact or or will Ole Miss suffer and my answer was no if this was a football game yeah if Ole Miss football was playing at Arizona football in 110 degree heat then I I would be more inclined to think that that's something that is possible Uh, when it's baseball and yeah I mean it's hot and you sweat and stuff but when you're really not working hard I mean, Hayden Dunhurst has to be prepared. The catcher for Ole Miss, he he's got to be ready because he's obviously got to work the hardest on the field, and you know the pitchers obviously as well. But I just I, baseball is not a sport to me that is as weather impacted as football in terms of heat. You know, a team from Mississippi playing in in Arizona is that really going to be something that? Changes the outcome of the game? I don't think so. Probably not. I mean, first of all, they're young athletes, but baseball's not a sport where where you're running for three hours and tackling people and stuff like that. It's mostly a lot of standing around. And even when you run, it's a handful of times a game. I, just, I, I don't see a, a scenario in which the heat will actually – directly impact the outcome of the game that's just me I mean you you guys may disagree so that's my spiel anyway I think Mississippi State has a true home field advantage that will directly impact the outcome of the games but I don't think ultimately it will change it doesn't change my thoughts on how this series will go if that makes sense If they were played in the neutral site, hell, if if Mississippi State had to go to Notre Dame, I would still expect the same outcome. So one team's just better than the other to me. And and Mississippi State's got to get better starts. I know McLeod and Bender were were good. They've got to be better than they were this past weekend. I suspect that they will. They've got to be better than they were this past weekend. Because if you look at the stat lines, you think, oh, they were okay. You know, they were pretty good. They labored some. And they're seeing a lineup this weekend that is better than the ones that they saw last weekend. They just are. Um, so they've got to be a little bit more efficient, I, I guess, is, is how I would put it. Um, because you you don't want to have to overuse Landon Sims. I mean, he, he should throw in two games this weekend if needed. I mean, if, if you don't get to Sunday, then no big deal. But McLeod and Bender, they do have to be better. And if you happen to go to a Game 3 Harding's the answer like we talked about I think it was yesterday or or Monday Houston Harding's the answer I think that's an easy easy answer um and state fans should feel pretty confident about his ability if he if he pitches anything like he did last weekend uh you should feel really good about game three so that doesn't change anything and for Ole Miss I think it's an uphill battle um I do not expect them to win this series. Uh, Arizona is very well-rounded. They don't have the best starting pitchers in the world. I mean, even Mike Bianco told us on the show, I mean, he's as coach-speaky as a coach can be. I mean, he he will never say anything negative about an opponent. He will never reveal anything. I mean, he, he is, he's coach-speak. He's got it down. He's been at it for over two decades. He, he's got it down. Um, he. He even kind of admitted that, you know, they don't, they're not the best starting pitchers that the team has seen this year. They see better every weekend in the SEC. Arizona's bullpen is good and deep, though. They've got a bunch of bullpen arms that have good numbers and are really effective, but they hit the baseball. One of the best offenses in all of college baseball. Uh, I think Ole Miss has an an uphill challenge, especially without Gunnar Hoagland. If they had Gunnar Hoagland, I think they would win this series, but. Without him, I mean, Derek Diamond's got to be basically perfect. And uh, now, he, you know, you have no confidence in McDaniel. I would try to save Tyler Myers if I were Mike Bianco. Uh, it's an uphill climb uh, for sure. Uh, I, I think Arizona's favored and they should be in, in this one. And it's not because of the weather and it's not because of the size of the ballpark. Um, although all this, aside from Tim Elko, isn't exactly home run dependent. So I don't know if the. The big gaps will affect anything other than like T.J. McCants, for example, who, as you guys know, doesn't exactly play the best center field. It's a new position for him. He's still clearly learning how to play center field. He's never done it in his life until this year. There are times where he doesn't take very good angles at the ball. In fact, it happens quite often. Now that you've got these massive power alleys, um balls that are home runs at Swayze are gappers here potentially and potentially keep using that word this morning a chance to steal outs on balls that are hitting gaps if you take really good angles and make plays that way we even had somebody ask the radio show yesterday if if they should put Plumley in center and um maybe give McCants a rest and with the way things are going right now that wouldn't be the worst idea but McCants is a better hitter than Plumley, even though he has been just really struggling the last few weeks really struggling um, I think he's got fewer than five hits right you can count him on one hand uh, over the last three weeks including Hoover um, been really struggling so I don't think it's something that Bianca will even consider, but the the question is, do you put in a better defender and a potentially worse hitter in in a ballpark with power alleys that are just insane? I mean, it's, and what's crazy is dead center field is shorter than the gaps. So the, the fence actually goes out into the gap and then slightly, not much, but slightly comes in to dead center. It's weird um and fun fact it is where the uh spring training scenes of major league were shot where where arizona plays that's um that's pretty cool the stadium's been dressed up since then but yeah that's uh that's where they shot the spring training scenes was where arizona plays um so yeah, and then I've had some people also suggest that Ole Miss should start Diamond in game one and then go TBA, TBA. And if you win game one, don't throw Nikhazy until game three. And somebody helped me rationalize that. Because I, I can't figure out why you would do that. Why you would not throw Doug Nikhazy until a potential game three if you win the first one? Why would you do that? Why would you not throw your best pitcher a, a starter that you're confident in beating anybody to win the super regional in game two I I, I just simply don't understand it especially with your bullpen depth issues and there's there's still there even though you've had a couple of guys emerge to be viable I, I've had mo- I've seen multiple people say that go diamond game one and if you win game one don't pitch Nickkesey in game two. Why would you do that? Why why would you basically sacrifice game two? I I don't understand that at all. I I can't rationalize it. So I don't know where that's coming from. I I simply, um, I don't get it. I I don't get it at all. But uh, those are the things I'm watching for this week, is how Notre Dame responds to the insanity that will be in Starkville, the incredible atmosphere that exists there. And how Ole Miss responds to the weather, the heat will be something they're not totally used to, and the size of the ballpark. Although it is at elevation, it's a massive, massive ballpark, and how the team responds to that. So, see, Devin, I, I'm with you. I, I I understand if they don't pitch Nacasi in Game One just to because he threw twice this weekend, and you want to give him uh, an extra day to to be ready. So one or two i I can rationalize both, I can understand both, and I'm cool with both but the whole the whole concept of diamond TBA TBA is just completely foreign to me I, I just i don't understand it at all um but it would make sense if they do hold him for game two because he did pitch twice this weekend just to give him that extra day to be fully um, rested healthy and ready to go I, i'd be I'm fine with that um I'm fine with that. And I hope you don't take this the wrong way. Your picture—you look like Adam Sandler in that picture, and I love Adam Sandler. So I hope you don't think I'm uh, <laughs> I'm uh, sliding you. You just—you look like the Sandman, and and I'm a big Adam Sandler fan. So JP, I don't know why that happened. Only five minutes of the podcast yesterday I made it online. I have no idea uh, why that happened uh, to the the radio show's podcast. I don't know. It's uh, it's on an automated system now, which is why you, you're getting commercials. Um, that they, they took that. Off my incredibly crowded plate, and uh, I don't know why that happened. So we'll uh, we'll try to figure it out. You say in this state, uh, our venues. Uh, I think it matters. A player's headspace is not immune to ten thousand plus. It will matter for LSU this weekend. There will be more than four hundred there this time around. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Paul Maneri screwed up so bad by talking about how his first baseman could not handle the heckling when Tennessee was at a socially distanced 25% capacity. It was already going to be a madhouse in Knoxville this weekend anyway. But when you tell fans that what you're doing is affecting my players negatively, what do you think their response is going to be? If they weren't already going to be insane, the Tennessee fans this weekend know that what they do bothers your first baseman. They're going to know his mom's name. They're going to know his girlfriend's name. Sisters if he has them. Brothers if he has them. Anything about him that's been posted on social media for the last 10 years, they will have, and they're going to hammer it home for three days. I I, I still can't believe Maneri did that. I mean, straight up said the crowd was impacting one of his players. That's not going to go this weekend. That's not going to go over well this weekend. It's going to be a madhouse there. Um, I don't see LSU winning that series. I, I do not. Um, outside of the Mississippi teams, what are some upsets you expect? I want to see this weekend. Well, of course, I want both Mississippi teams in the, in the Super Regional. So I do uh, want Ole Miss to beat Arizona. I think um, I think ECU is a potential upset. As well, um, so those are the two that I think are most likely going to happen either way, and the ones I also want to see. Uh, I, I would like to see Cliff Godwin have success, and of course, for content purposes, I want to have two teams in Omaha. That would just that would make this month, which is usually a pretty difficult month for me as the uh, the sole content provider for a radio show and two podcasts. Um, it, that would help me a ton if we can send two teams to Omaha because this month is usually pretty hard. have to get my creative juices flowing. And um, if that's the case, then I don't – I have far less to do for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't – got no rationale on that one talking about Nikhazy. Get game one and take your chances in two or three. I, I'm with you. Will says, I understand adjusting your rotation, but your top guy should always be in game one or two. I agree. I, I, don't, I don't understand it at all. I, I really don't. I mean, th- there's something to be said about throwing Diamond on Friday, and in case you lose, you have Nick. I mean, having Nikhazy in, in, in game two, either way, you feel good about. Because if you lose with Diamond on Friday, Nikhazy in game two, you feel like you're going to even the series with a winner take all the next day. And if you win on Friday, you feel like you're going to go 2-0 with him on the mound. I, I can't wrap my mind around it either way. Andrew's asking about that Pat Casey rumor at LSU. Um, I hope it's not true. Not from a he's going to win games or, or something perspective. I think that... Um, uh, it, <clears throat> how can I say this without well, maintaining professionalism. Um, LSU hiring him would be very on-brand and also really hard to wrap my mind around. When you consider everything they've gone through lately, a deep investigation into Title IX issues there, um. And hiring someone that recruited, knowing a player, was a registered sex offender. And if not for an error in the registration system, it would have never gone out. And when it did, um, continuing to play that individual player... Um, LSU hiring a person that, that did that, um, that would be a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people that were harmed by what happened in Baton Rouge, I would think. And it would show that even after everything they've been through, that they've done to themselves and people that are they're supposed to protect, um, the only thing they care about is wins. And it's college sports at the end of the day. Winning is all that matters. But winning should not be ahead of criminal activity, right? Especially of such a sensitive nature. And the fact that after this scandal has has come out, they have hired Kim Mulkey, who, while she didn't do anything, that Pat Casey did, so it's different for sure. But Kim Mulkey, after Baylor had their own scandal, she said that if you don't feel comfortable sending your kid to Baylor after a sexual violence scandal, you should be punched in the face. They hired that person, and then if they do hire Pat Casey, they would have hired somebody who recruited and played a registered sex offender. what else can be said? Especially if they choose not to go down the the road of Kevin O'Sullivan to to go to this person that's been retired for three years and there's a reason nobody else has hired him. Um, It would just be gross, I think. After everything, I, th- I mean, I think it's unhirable or you shouldn't hire that person regardless. But after everything that they've gone through and are still currently going through to even have that name affiliated with your job um, is not something that I can really wrap my, wrap my mind around. Because Kendall Rogers didn't make that up. He doesn't make stuff up. That, that, that is a real thing that came from somewhere. He doesn't make things up like that. That's real. A person in a position of leadership at that school is discussing that name, and the fact that's even an option is is a huge problem. So, Murph, you're right. Well, it doesn't matter if they lose game two because you only need to win two games. Yeah, see, that's why I just I don't understand the whole saving Nkazi for for. Uh, a game three. I, I don't understand that. Why not throw the ace against their third starter? Because why not throw your ace against their second starter, who he's better than? Why why would you give yourselves more opportunities to lose games? I, I don't understand. With Ole Miss's bullpen issues, especially, I mean, there are three guys that you can depend on out of the pen, and really only one is consistent, and that's Taylor Broadway. You don't want to get to a game three against a team like Arizona that is the best offense in college baseball, statistically. It's the best offense in college baseball. You really want to be rolling out either Drew McDaniel or maybe Tyler Myers if, if he's still available by then and a bunch of inconsistent bullpen arms in, in a third game where you could possibly have... Diamond and Doherty or Broadway throw on Friday and Nikhazy and one of those two throw on Saturday and be done with it. I just I can't wrap my mind around choosing to use more of your pitchers who are inconsistent and in some cases just bad against the best offense in America, statistically. Um yeah, Devin, and I agree with you. I, I don't. Th- he says, I don't think the heat will be that big of a deal. 110 dry heat in Tucson is equivalent to 90 here. And the games are at night, so it won't be 110 during the games. And baseball is a, um, you know, not as a physically demanding sport as others. J.B. said, did Tourette's get you? Yeah, sometimes, man, I, I, I pride myself on being a quick thinker and responding right away, but sometimes I have to stop and think about what I'm going to say before I say it. I'm sure my wife wishes that I uh, applied that quality to our marriage. (laughs) Uh, Does LSU hire a coach with College World Series experience? Um, If it's... If it's Pat Casey, it's... I, I do believe when people say that there are, there are folks around LSU in positions of leadership that are scared of things that are coming, NCAA and Title IX-related issues. And they are looking for somebody that is very squeaky clean. And while Pat Casey's name surfaced yesterday doesn't fit that mold at all, I do believe that there, and I know that there is interest from LSU into Mike Bianco. I don't know if it's mutual, but I know that there is interest and they are exploring that possibility. They are exploring it, without a doubt. Know that for sure. They are. Um, It makes sense because if you're looking for somebody who has won a bunch of games and, you know, maybe not the right ones, but has won a bunch of games and ran a stable program that has nothing that will get uncovered in a background check, Mike Bianco is your guy. Mike Bianco is your guy. Him or or Godwin, who has, I guess, yet to go to a College World Series. It could happen this year. But if I was LSU, if I was sitting in a leadership position at LSU, I wouldn't have even considered Pat Casey. I wouldn't talk to Kevin O'Sullivan. My list would be Godwin, Vitello, Bianco. I mean, people have even thrown out there, I mean, even Richard has said this to me, that apparently there are there are some people at LSU that want a guy that's married. That that's how concerned they are with Title IX issues. That they don't even want to think about having somebody that's not, which hasn't stopped an LSU coach in the past. But there are some, apparently, that are that concerned about it. But that would be my list. It would be Godwin, Vitello, or Bianco. Bianco makes sense there. I don't know. I don't think. I don't know for sure if he'd leave Ole Miss for LSU. I don't think so. But I don't think Ole Miss will get into some kind of bidding war with LSU either. If LSU offers Mike Bianco a $400,000 raise, I don't think Ole Miss would match. I think they're, they're very comfortable right now with what they're investing in baseball. It's a top six salary in college baseball or something like that. They're very comfortable with where they are. And I don't think they're prepared to dramatically increase that. So, I don't know. Uh, I do think that uh, LSU um, has better options than Pat Casey. Even though there are some uh, without College World Series experience, they also don't have any baggage. And right now, that's where they should go if they cared about integrity at all. But... I don't believe that's the case. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Always glad that you are with me. A bunch of comments today. Again, I appreciate this so much. I mean, uh, I've noticed that you guys are, are – wa- more of you are watching and staying longer, which is awesome. Um, more of you are commenting. And this is really cool because I, I just kind of did this because I needed something that was mine, you know. Um, I love talking to you guys, and, and I, I wanted it, you know, to be my way and my thing. And – um you guys are here, and it's growing, and it's awesome. So, thank you. I'll be back tomorrow, of course, talking Super Regionals. So, we get ready for Ole Miss in Arizona and the Mississippi State coming up Saturday with Notre Dame. So, you all have a great rest of your day. For those of you in North Mississippi, try to survive. The, the, the flooding and stuff is insane out there. So be safe, and uh, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning.